Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty and joining me for the first time in a long time is Noah Loffman. Noah, man, how you doing? I'm excited to talk hoops with you. I'm great, Chris. I'm glad to be back. And I know we're still somewhat far out, but I can see it. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. The NBA season is coming. Yes, exactly. The NBA season is coming back, and it, it really the off season was entertaining throughout the whole the whole way. So I mean, then the NBA season's really been going on for eleven months, and you know now it's just now it's the time to start gearing up for the start of the season. So it's the perfect it's the perfect season for me because it's round the cover basketball. We had the Kyrie trade. We had all these things that happened post July that um, that kept us intrigued and entertained in the NBA. The NBA has dominated. They've had probably the most successful um the most successful calendar year of any of of any sport in America. And so we are jumping into the division previews now for longtime listeners, you know that every year I preview every division, um all the teams in every division. So I do it by division. This year we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to recap the moves, talk a few of the major storylines, and we're going to actually incorporate the over-unders, which you and I did last year, too. That was the first time I ever did over-unders. Yeah, and I'm, um, we should do that again, honestly, just go through every team. I know we're probably going to go through the ones on uh, in this division today, but yeah. down the line, I'm open to do that again. Yeah, because um, I love these over-unders. It's something I've been addicted to. But all right, we are going to start with the first, the first division we are doing is the Southwest Division. So the way we're going to go is we're going to go from the teams um, from team record last year. Um, so in order from worst to first. So the lowest team in the division last year was the Dallas Mavericks, finishing thirty three and forty nine. And to recap some of their moves, um, and I'll put a link to this um, to this website that I have in in the description. It's a website that shows all the players that went in and out. So um, right now they're a little bit over their roster limit. Um, they they lost obviously um they lost DeAndre Liggins and AJ Hammonds nobody that was really a big deal to them but um they got Brand uh Brandon Ashley uh Gian Clavel um a bunch of rookies I I believe five rookies plus Josh McRoberts um Dennis Smith Jr. of course highlighting the rookies and they signed Jeff Whitney so they didn't really bring in anybody significant outside of Dennis uh, Smith Jr. <coughs> Josh Roberts has a chance to be a role player in this system. Um, I, I could see him as a Carlisle guy, but nothing that really moves the needle. So not a, not a, not not an, an important. I shouldn't say important, but not a groundbreaking offseason to say the least. Right, Noah? Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned it, Dennis Smith Jr. Definitely the highlight of the offseason for the Dallas Mavericks, and I think this kid has a chance to be a really, really great player. In the future, uh, he was not yeah. in the best situation at NC State. He dealt with multiple, either one or two coaching firings. I mean, it was a disaster there, and he still managed to average over 18 points per game and look like one of the most explosive players in the draft class. And I think he's perfect for what Rick Carlisle likes to build, and that's a team that spreads out and runs a lot of ball screen action. And I think Smith Jr. is the future for Dallas, and this year is going to just be all about Dennis Smith's development. Of course, these other players matter, but Dallas is going to try and win. They That's just their culture. But as you laid it out, this is not that talented of a roster. Harrison Barnes was good last year, uh, but Dirk is getting old. And other than that, they have a lot of rookies and young guys. And I think this year is really a growing year for the Mavericks. And now they have their franchise point guard in Dennis Smith Jr. 
and I'm just excited to see how Carlisle builds around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great situation going under an elite coach like Carlisle, for sure. Um, so you kind of raised the issue, and that's the, the one question I want to talk about with this Dallas team is, what is Dallas looking for this year, um, in your opinion? How likely is it that they tank? Um, do they go for the playoffs? Uh, what, do you, what do you think right now, Noah? I definitely think they're going to try and win for a long time. This is not a team that historically has shown they like to tank. I believe Mark Cuban has said he's not a fan of tanking, but if if it looks like there's no chance, he'd be willing to do it, and that's how I think this season will play out. It'll be similar to last year. Dallas is not trying to be the worst team in the league. Uh, in fact, no team in this division is. If you know, We might have other division podcasts in the future, Chris, and there's a lot of teams this year that are going to try and be the worst team in the league, especially in the East. But Dallas is not one of them. They're going to try and win. Uh, and especially being in the loaded Western Conference, it looks unlikely. But I think they'll be competitive with a lot of these teams and in their division. And I think they'll win, you know, around the same number of games they won last year, between that 30 to 40 range and, and miss the playoffs. But I think this year, as I said before, is all about developing Dennis Smith Jr. and creating a winning culture and maintaining a winning culture. And maybe that means miss the playoffs, but they're not tanking. I don't believe it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't believe they're tanking either um, for the reasons that you mentioned. I don't think they're as bad as teams like Brooklyn, Atlanta, Chicago, Sacramento, Indiana, even L.A. and Phoenix, if you want to go there um, as far as in their conference. Um, so I, I'm with you. I don't think they tank. I think they're going to definitely give Dennis Smith his opportunities, and that's going to cost them some wins. But uh, they're building for the future, but they're not not—they're not trying to lose. It's not in Carlisle's DNA as well, so I'm with you. Uh, and so let's let's jump into the over-under for this team. Um, I know it's kind of, I know it's not a lot of time we're spending on Dallas, but um, but again, a, a lot of it's just in, a lot of the storyline for Dallas really is just Dennis Smith and, um, and how he does in, in the NBA. But um, the over-under right now is for 35.5. Uh, which is the lowest in this division. It's a coin flip for me because I could see them struggling because, like I said, Dennis Smith, um, Dennis Smith being being young and being handed the keys could cost them some wins. But um, I'm going to go over. One, my faith in Carlisle. Two, having Noel for the full year in a contract year now that he's, um, that he's took the qualifying offer. So all that, plus I'm expecting to see internal improvements from guys like um, Seth Curry, Harrison Barnes, uh, Yogi, Dwight Powell, and I think Dennis Smith Jr. can contribute right away. It's maybe not a sleeper rookie of the year candidate, but definitely a rookie of the year candidate. So I'm going. I think this team's going to achieve 37 wins this year. Mm. This is really tough for me too because I think Vegas nailed it on the head with that number. You can look at this in two ways. One, you can look at the West and just say, wow, every team in the West for the most part got better this offseason, and it's going to be even harder for them to win. Or you can look at it and say, they're going to have a lot of wins against bad Eastern Conference teams. I know they only get to play these bad teams twice, but if Dallas takes care of business against these bad Eastern Conference teams, they should find themselves in a pretty decent spot in the standings. I hate to do it because you know how much I love Carlisle as well, but I'm looking at this division and I see a lot of good teams, a lot more talented teams. I'm going to bet the under, Chris. I, I, as I said, I think the number's spot on, but I have to take the under because I just think there are too many teams out west now that are going to be vying for a playoff spot that just simply have way more talent 
than the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, those teams are in their division as well with New Orleans and Memphis. And I just can't do it. I'm betting the under. Betting the under. Okay, so what's uh, what's the win prediction you're going with there? Can I pencil you in for, for a range? Yeah, well, it, it was 35 and a half, right? Right, yeah. I'm going to say 35. That's not going to be drastic. I just, if I had to do it, I'm taking the slight under. I'm going to say they win about 34, 35 games. Okay. Okay, um, let's let's transition to the New Orleans Pelicans, then, which you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. The second-worst team in the division last year, finishing 34-48. and 48. Of course, re, um, you know, they, they acquired Boogie at the trade deadline in a trade that kind of stunned us all. Um, and, you know, they, 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 of course, signed Drew Holiday to his max extension, of course. Um, uh, they, they signed... Ian Clark off Golden State, which I thought was a nice move. Um, definitely need help on the wings. Rajon Rondo, not a terrible move. Um, they just kind of need bodies, but uh, especially in the backcourt and, and on the wings. So a guy like Rondo can help. Uh, it's it's looking like they're going to go Rondo Holiday as as the backcourt to start the year, which is which is an interesting combination to say the least. But uh, they lost Quinn Cook. Uh, Dante Cunningham, Tim Frazier was a was I think the the biggest loss as well as as well as Quincy Pondexter. I think those were the two that really meant the most. But Uzi Do, uh, Dante uh, Mojitas, I, I how do you say his name again? Uh, oh, Mon- Mon- Montejunas, I think. Yeah, Montejunas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um and Dante Cunningham. I yeah. So those those guys aren't really big losses to me. But um, but again, Dante Cunningham could sign with uh could sign with New Orleans still. He's he's still a free agent, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I I believe so too. I might have heard that he signed somewhere recently. I'm not quite sure on that. Um but anyways, uh one of the things I wanted to do actually is look at um is look at how they fill out this roster. Um that's one of the first things I want to talk about with this team. So um, looking at, I pulled up a list of free agents left and trade targets. Um, you know, of course, we all saw the headline uh, that they're working out Josh Smith. Uh, what about Shabazz Muhammad? It says that the, he's receiving interest from the Pelicans, but I would imagine that the Pelicans would go after guys like Shabazz Muhammad, Derek Williams, Gerald Green, Mike Dunleavy, Anthony Morrow, far before they go for guys like Josh Smith, um, even Matt Barnes. Uh, what do you What are you thinking about this? Uh, about who they should target and how they should try and fill out that was- roster because the wing spots are pretty bad. For yeah, them right now. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. You have to go after three point shooting here. It, it, I mean, yep. you look at that small forward spot on the Pelicans depth chart right now, and who's starting? Is it Etwan Moore? It's just yes, that's Etom. not okay, and that is a critical position in the NBA right now. That three and the four. Uh, you know, you look at the best teams in the league. It's a wing league. And the Pelicans have two of the best big guys in this league. We know that. But they got to fill out these wings, man. This roster is a weird roster. Uh, of the names you read, I don't see anyone on that list that could really make a huge difference. I like Matt Barnes, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. This is a strange team to predict because Rajon Rondo looked terrific. In those two games in the playoffs this year with the Chicago Bulls. Then he got hurt, and we don't really know what would have happened had he been healthy because he was guarding the Celtics and playing out of his mind. And if that's the Rondo we get this season, then that's great for New Orleans. But is it going to be the Rondo that was with the Bulls the last two years in the regular season? I, I just don't know. This is one of the teams, man, that 
so much of it depends on uh, the practices and the behind the scenes and the new play calling because having two guys like DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis play off each other is challenging, but if you work it out, it can be really dangerous and hard to defend. Right, right. Um, Matt Barnes is not really too interesting to me for them, um, but Derek Williams, Shabazz Muhammad, I know they're not great shooters, but they're athletic wings I could see them using. Uh, Gerald Green, Mike Dunleavy, Anthony Morrow. Mike Dunleavy and Anthony Morrow could be could provide that shooting, but again, they don't have much defense to offer. So, and it's it sucks for them because they don't really have any um, trade assets um, except picks, which at this point are too valuable. Not knowing the uncertainty of the future of both of their stars, really, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but I don't I don't see any type of trade assets. They have bad contracts that are going to be hard to move that are going to cost assets. So. Um, and they don't really have many players outside of Boogie and AD who you would consider as movable assets, as trade chips, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's that rumor that we all keep hearing about the Cavs sending Shumpert and Channing Fry in that Brooklyn pick for Cousins, and is that really a great offer for New Orleans? I, no. I, I don't know, especially... Uh, depend, I mean, it really all depends on how bad Brooklyn's going to be this year and where that pick lands. Because if you can get a number one pick, then I'd consider doing it, obviously. But, right, yeah, this is not a team. Look, we knew it when they traded for DeMarcus Cousins last year that they wanted to bring in another superstar to help convince Anthony Davis to stay and keep him happy. And last year, after the trade deadline, they didn't look like they were playing well together. They just they no. didn't win a lot of games. They didn't gel together. But we kept hearing out of the Pelicans camp, out of the media, that it takes a lot of time for two skilled big men like Davis and Cousins to play off each other and do a pick and roll together. And you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's true. But that's what makes this season so interesting for the Pelicans that, you know, if they, if they start off 10 and 18, there's going to be <laughs> – a lot of whispers and a lot of problems and a lot of discussion in New Orleans. Yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going is I wanted to pull up a scenario for you and ask and pick your brain on what you think they do. So take this scenario. Okay. They, are five, they are five games under 500, January 15th. What do you do? Do you trade Boogie? Do you trade AD? Do you trade both? What do you what do you do? Because I mean, Davis to me has the more trade value, of course, because he's under a longer contract and everything, um, and uh, I think a much higher ceiling player than Cousins, at least to this point. It's been oh, I agree. That. Yeah. So, um, but you know, then again, Boogie is a guy who you don't really want to build around. So I I I would honestly, if come January fifteenth, I would honestly shop both. And I would see what, what you get for both. I would field offers. I know it sounds crazy to give up on a guy like Davis who's otherworldly talented. But, you know, I mean, as we've seen in the last year or two of contracts, stars do not get good return, at least in this NBA climate right now. So what do you think? I, I just cannot shop Anthony Davis. I think that guy is a unicorn. As You know, people like to use yeah. that word with the NBA. He really right. is. I mean, barring injury, he can be an MVP in any of these years. If you told me Anthony Davis was going to be the MVP this year, I would not be that surprised. This is a guy, as we know as Pistons fans, 
who just, you know, consistently runs the Pistons off the court, drops 58 points. He is right. capable. <laughs> I believe this. I still think Anthony Davis, and he's still young, is capable in his career of being the best player on a championship team. And that is yeah. a short list of guys in this league. Cousins is not on that list. Davis is. His contract is through 2021 right now. I just looked up. So you still have a few years left. I am not willing to shop this man because he has as much value as anyone in the league right now. That's with, you know, Giannis and all these other young guys that people are obsessing over. Davis is right in that camp. Boogie, of course you shop because <laughs> because his contract is up uh, at the end of this year. He also is at a history of not cooperating with teammates and coaches. And, you know, people aren't really sure if that guy is a winner. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think that situation in Sacramento was horrendous. And I think Boogie Cousins is capable of being a winner. Um, so I still believe in Boogie. And that's why I still believe in this Pelicans team to a certain extent. But to answer your question, if they're five games under 500 in January, I'm keeping Davis and I'm shopping Boogie. And frankly, I'm shopping everyone else because you have to do all you can to keep Anthony Davis on your roster and keep him happy because this guy's well, a star. Well, I agree, but allow me to play devil's advocate, which is this boogie experiment. And you can chime in if you want. Doesn't it seem like it's a, um, doesn't it seem like it's, it's the last attempt to convince Davis to be happy. That's kind of the way it's been sold. Um, at least to the at least to the mm. public is that well it's an attempt I don't think it's the last attempt though because you, you still have time left you still you still have through 2021 I believe so you yeah, still have still, time yeah and they still own all their picks um no they have none incoming or outgoing so they just have their own picks um so they kind of control their own destiny which is an interesting an interesting and thing to look at and consider um mm-hmm. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very hard for them to flush out this team for the next couple of years because uh, they have too many bad contracts. They have a Sheik, they have uh, Solomon Hill, they have all these uh, problems when it comes to when it comes to bad contracts that are gonna be hard to move that and they won't be movable without assets. So um, it's gonna be hard to build a win around Davis. That's why I kind of think that this is the last shot for them and that if they can't go through this year. Um, which for the, for the record, I think they should go through the year. Um, regardless, I, I'd rather lose Boogie for nothing and then trade him at the deadline because I think that this really is the last attempt to make it work. This is, uh, I don't think you're going to get a talented player like Boogie any other way. Um, so I think you have to ride it out and play the long game, which is something that a lot of teams have been hesitant to do. But as, as you see, the stars aren't getting anything. Imagine what Boogie's going to get at the trade deadline. Not a lot. You could, you could imagine, you could imagine a scenario where it's where it's Shumper, Channing Fry, that Cleveland deal you you talked about, and like two second round picks. Like you could imagine that kind of climate for a guy like Boogie, especially when you, when everyone knows it doesn't work, and he's only got literally half a season left for a team. Plus, on top of that, you factor in. Um, you factor in that a lot of a lot of these stars are not getting anything. When you look at what Jimmy Butler and Paul George got in trades, then I mean, really, yeah, I mean, a couple expiring or a couple bad contracts in Channing Frye and Shumpert and some second round picks. Like that seems like it's something that not a lot of teams would be willing to even try to top. And you're right, Boogie has a toxic kind of market as of right now, a volatile market, I'll say so. 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I think you have to ride out with Boogie. What do you think? Do you think you, you would ride out, or do you think you would trade him in that scenario? Well, I think Cleveland is – obviously, I know it's crazy because it's still September right now, but Cleveland looks like the only taker in this scenario. Yeah. Because they are the only ones with the whole LeBron situation. If they get if they bring in Boogie, then you suddenly have a chance to win a title again. Yeah. Um, with with your last p- potentially your last year of LeBron. So Cleveland, I still believe, is going to try and do everything they can to keep LeBron and make a run at the title this year. Other than that, I can't really think of. You know, you could look at Houston as a team that would want a guy like Boogie, of course. But what do they have to offer? Um, yeah. Because that would certainly help push them over the edge and compete with Golden State. But Cleveland really looks like the only taker. And if they know that they're the only taker, they probably, as you said, might be able to get away with not even having to give that Brooklyn pick. Because if they're the only one willing to do the deal, I don't know. And, you know, the other team, the other team that I'm just going to throw out here, OKC. Does OKC want to do a deal? Do they want to make some sort of last run? You know, with Paul George in his last year and Westbrook a year away from his last year and maybe say, hey, let's go to war. I got a big three of PG, Russell Westbrook, and DeMarcus Cousins. Because, you know, suddenly that that's suddenly a really scary big three. I don't know what kind of assets yeah, they have to nice give away, three. but I, I could see that, that being OKC being a dark horse here in this situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think that they're a team, though, that's likely to make the trade deadline superstar acquisition, especially a guy like Boogie. Um, I don't see them as making that kind of move. That doesn't seem like a Spursy move to me. But um, they're a team that I could watch out for in the offseason um, that, that might that might go for a guy like Boogie because if anybody can fix them, it's San Antonio. you gotta you got to believe that. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting scenario. Um, let's jump into the over-under for this team. So, um, the over under is at 39.5. Um, I'll go first in saying that I'm going to go a slight under because I think between the injuries and the lack of talent around Boogie and Davis, this team will struggle. And also I don't expect Davis and Boogie to be totally healthy all year. That to me is the only way they would get close. The only way they could get close to 39 win is if, is if I see both Boogie and AD playing 75 games each. And Although my under is a slight under, I'm pretty confident in it, and I'm predicting 37 wins for this club. But if all breaks right, I think 39 to 40 wins is their absolute ceiling due to a very tough Western Conference team and a lack of talent around Boogie and Davis because we talked about that wing scenario. It's just it's dead. It's non-existent. So. Mm-hmm. I disagree, yeah. though. I, I think their ceiling really? is much higher. Now, I'm, I'm concerned, too. They have a pretty low floor, especially with injuries. But if everything breaks right, I, I think this team could win, you know, 45 to 47 games. Really? Really? Okay. I, I believe, I just, look, I believe that Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are arguably the two best big guys in this league. And both, I agree with that both, statement. both have relatively long shooting range. They are, you know, exactly what you want out of a seven-footer right now in the NBA. And if Elvin Gentry and his coaching staff can figure out a way to run an offense through these two guys, and a defense for that matter. I mean, these are two superstars that I think can carry a team of really mediocre talent to 45 to 47 games. 45 to 47 wins. Um, In this Western Conference, though? I believe it, man. I do, because I, who has a, 
I mean, there's a yes, there's a you know a list of four or five teams that have a stronger one-two punch. But after that, who is a stronger like? You're going through these teams at the right. bottom tier playoffs: Memphis, Utah, Clippers. I, I I'm taking Boogie Cousins and AD over these guys. Over I, I just. So I'm going to say over. I'm not predicting 45 to 47 wins. I'm going to say slight over. I'll predict 40 wins and a possible eight seed. They're my probably my eight seed if we were going to do playoff picks right now. Um, but I think I believe in them a little bit more than you do. I am yeah. fascinated by this big man duo. I, I was at the deadline. I was disappointed with how it turned out last year. But again, I think it takes a while for – two guys like this to gel together. And I think they're going to be able to fix all that during the off season and come ready uh, to win during the season. Well, let me put it on record and say that I totally hope everything you say is a hundred percent true because I absolutely love this pairing. Um, I'm intrigued by it for, I think all the same reasons you are. And I, I would, I'm dying for that one, eight new Orleans versus golden state matchup. Um, yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying for that. Like, we wanted that, it last year. Yeah, we wanted it so bad last year, and um, so I'm I'm very interested to see how that how that works. So I hope that this team gets in the playoffs. Um, and, but I'm just going the under, man. I just think the Western Conference is too tough. I think that there and, and a lot of it is, to be honest, a lot of it is uh, lack of faith in the durability of and Cousins that's and Davis, totally especially fair. Davis. So, I, that's um, fair. But I just feel like so many guys in this organization, starting with the coaching staff, Gentry, his assistants, they're going to be coaching for their job. Boogie Cousins is in a contract year. He's going to be playing for money. Um, and I think Andy Davis, of course, still wants to prove himself. So I think it, I think the the atmosphere there will be, you know, really they can't afford to lose any games. And I think they're going to be a team that knows they got fire under their ass. And I just – I believe in the squad to a certain extent. By believing in them, I mean I think they go over 39 games. <laughs> wow. All right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, my friend. Um, let's jump into Memphis. All right. Interest, interesting team. 43-39 uh, and 39 last season. Uh, to recap their moves, if I pull up the um, pull up the movement. All right. So, yeah, they lost, of course um, – Tony, they lost, of course, Tony Allen, Vince Carter, and Zach Randolph, three key pieces of their of their core um, for a while. Uh, Vince Carter only for, for a year or two, but outside of that, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph were a huge part of that 2012 to 2017 core that, that they used and that uh, won them a lot of games in, in Memphis and was, a, was kind of a culture identity for the city. So um, it's kind of the shift of an era for them. Uh, what are, what are they doing? Obviously, they're looking to rebuild, but to one extent, um, to me, I don't know. I don't know what extent they're going to rebuild. Do you think they're going to go the tanking route? I don't. I see them as kind of like a Dallas, where it's not in their DNA. Um, and what are the chances you think that Conley or Gasol get moved? I mean. To me, I don't know. This is a very interesting team because they just seem to be stuck in a pretty hard place right now. Yeah, I agree. And this is a team that I really thought should have traded for Kyrie Irving. I know nobody really talked about it, but I thought you send the Cavs Mike Conley in that contract, and in return you get Kyrie and take on the Iman Shumpert contract. It's about even. I did the math. That would have worked with the salaries. 
And yeah. that is the direction I would have headed if I was Memphis. Build around Kyrie. Um, right. And then you give LeBron a veteran, battle-tested point guard and Mike Conley. That's a pretty darn good trade for Cleveland. And I think they would have taken it. Or at least they should have if I was man in Cleveland. But as you said, they didn't do that trade. They're stuck with Mike Conley and Marcus Saw, which is not terrible. That's a you know that's a great. They're both of them are talented, but you're not winning a title. You're not probably even winning a first round playoff series. So I, I am as clueless as you are, Chris, with what Memphis is trying to do or what the outlook should be, um, because the the ultimate harsh truth to the NBA is. Uh, you need a top 10 player most in most cases to win the title. And the best way of achieving that would be through the draft. And the best way of ensuring you get a, 10, a top 10 player through the draft would be to tank and get yourself a top three pick. And as bad as that sounds, it looks like the teams that did that, like Philadelphia, like Phoenix, yeah, they're still bad, but they're in a position to actually be good down the line in the future. And that looks like the best route for Memphis at this point because they're not winning the title with who they have now. Right, right. And that Conley and Gasol duo is a really good duo, like you said. But I don't know it. I don't know if it's even enough to get them a playoff spot in this in this Western Conference. So it's it's a very tough it's a very tough situation. But it's not going to be terrible enough to where they to where they lose enough games to be one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, so it's a very hard. Um, it's a very I should, I should say thin line. Uh, let's talk about their acquisitions of Tyreek Evans, uh, Ben McLemore. What do you, what are you thinking of, of the guys that they added to this team this off season? Do you, how, how do you think that helps? I, I like that they're kind of taking flyers on, on young, yeah. on younger, younger guys, not totally young guys, but guys who are out of their rookie contract and looking for their second or third contract in the league that are still under, under 30. I kind of like, that approach by Memphis that they're kind of taking flyers on 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 players who are kind of in in this like middle gap of their career. Yeah, I think they're still trying to win. That's what it, this offseason has showed. Right. And they you know, they have they have assets in the sense of good players that can help a championship team win, but the contracts for some of these guys like Conley yeah. as I said, they're just so expensive. It's going to be hard to deal. And I'm quickly going right. to look up uh, Marcus Gasol's contract. Gasol, yeah, you know that's that's you know that's, he's getting about 23, 22 million a year through 2020. So that's one they could possibly look at flipping him to a contender if a contender is interested. I don't know. Maybe Boston needs a big guy. Maybe they feel like he's an upgrade to Aaron, from Aaron Baines, um, and yeah. Boston sends a bunch of picks over there because. You know, people don't realize Celtics still have a lot of picks that they can deal. They are not done dealing. Um, So that's something I'd keep an eye on. But I'd certainly say Memphis should be open to trading anyone. No one is untouchable on this team. That's that's what I get out of this. Yeah, I would agree, especially after letting Tony Allen and Zach Randolph walk. That shows that you're moving on from that chapter. So I would I would agree that I think they should. They should at least field the offers. Um, but again, yeah, Conley's contract is not that great, not that favorable. Uh, Gasol's is slightly better, but again, how many 
how many contenders are interested in you know getting a guy for two three years usually when you trade for a guy of that talent it's within the last year or two of that contract. yeah that's why boogie is much more so attractive short, right right exactly um so well, so for the over under 37 and a half, I'm actually going to go a slight under, which I know is crazy because this team always just overachieves. Um, this is a team that made massive overhaul, and I don't think they have a great roster. But however, this team, it plays hard every night. Um, they're a good home court team, and they'll be well coached. So I'm going 36 wins, but 38 wouldn't surprise me either. So it's kind of it's kind of a perfect number that Vegas picked to me because I don't see them winning 43 like they won last year. I agree with you. I'm taking the under, and it has to do with what we've said. The theme of the podcast has been the West has gotten better. Right. Uh, Minnesota, they went 31-51 and 51 last year. I don't know about you, but I'm predicting them to win a lot more games. So they're going to have to be taking wins from a lot of other teams. Denver went 40-42. and 42. I'm predicting them to win a few more games. And these wins that these other teams that are on the rise that I think are much better than Memphis's and Dallas's of the world, they're taking wins from other teams. And I think at the end of the day, Memphis will probably be sitting in the 35-win range. So you're going even lower than me. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, 30, I mean, just I'm taking the under. I'm not confident in, in them making the playoffs. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely won't. And 35, 36, 30, even 38 wins won't make the playoff in this good Western Conference. So, um, yeah, I think we're both. I think we're both under the mindset that this is definitely a team that will that we don't expect to make the playoffs, which right. is sad because this is a team that's been in the playoffs for a long time and they've been a uh, just a just a fun a team to always get behind and root for in the playoffs because they play that grit and grind basketball and it, it's kind of sad that they're transitioning from an era but you know it it happens to every team it happens to every team every team goes through their phases uh let's move on to Houston Houston <laughs> the this was the team that if you remember the podcast we did last year for the over unders this was the team we were most excited about last year. Yes. And now I don't I don't know how, but I'm even more excited this year. <laughs> Daryl Morey. Very, very excited. Daryl Morey, man. Yeah. Daryl Morey continues to be an excellent GM. So, of course, they lost in the trade for Chris Paul. They lost uh, Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, Lewis Williams, um, and uh, they lost um, Kyle Wilter. Wiltiger, I think is how you say his name. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. Um, but they lost him to Toronto. Um, not really a key contributor by any means, but a young prospect they had. Um, so there's still there's still reports linking them to Carmelo, but for now they they got Tariq Black off LA, who I thought was pretty good at times. Um, Demetrius Jackson, uh, Luca Bamute, of course, of course Chris Paul, um, and of course PJ Tucker being um, being bigger acquisitions for this team. So they made some overhaul. Um, they made quite the overhaul to their rotation outside of outside of um, James Harden and, and their supporting cast. Uh, the question I want to ask is um, before we get into the um, before we get into the CP3 Harden D'Antoni system and how that's going to work. Uh, how much better do you think the supporting cast is? Because I think that's the that's where the that's where the meat of the conversation with Houston lies is how much better is this supporting cast? Is it better? And can the supporting cast propel them to the next level? So I'm not sure if it's better, but I'm pretty impressed that they've been able to maintain a decent amount of depth after giving up all they gave up for the Chris Paul trade. 
Uh, PJ yeah. Tucker is a great guy to have off the bench, especially on defense. Luke Mbamute is not someone that I'm afraid to play in an NBA playoff series as well. Sixth man of the year, Eric Gordon is still on the roster. I mean, this team is fine, I think. Um, maybe the depth and the lack of Patrick Beverly, who was fantastic on defense, maybe that hurts them a little bit in the regular season. And that's why I will, I'm excited to talk about their win total. But I think this move for Chris Paul, this was a playoff-focused move. And maybe they struggle at first in the regular season to a certain extent. Maybe they win around the same number of games as they did last year in the regular season. But this is a move that certainly propels them in the playoffs. I think certainly pushes them ahead of San Antonio. And if everything breaks right, I think they can have a very competitive series with Golden State. Um, because this is, in my opinion, the best backcourt in the NBA. I, I actually am taking this backcourt over Curry and Clay. Um, you can maybe disagree, but I think this is the best backcourt in the NBA. Chris Paul and James Harden, I mean, I'm taking that any day. <laughs> you know, I, I hate that you put me in this position, but I think <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I mean, it comes down to... It comes, it comes down to Harden and Curry are, I believe, very similar in talent. Definitely last year, I think Harden obviously outperformed Curry. Um, but as far as when you take in the whole context of these players at their pinnacle, I think they're near the same, um, near the same level. And I go Chris Paul slightly over Klay Thompson. I, I, I don't like to use the term glorified role player for Klay Thompson because I believe that's incredibly disrespectful. <laughs> And he's really, and he is a really, really good player. He's definitely one of the top fifteen players in the league, but he is like a super on steroids uh, role player. Essentially, is is the way I kind of look at him. And Chris Paul is a superstar. Chris Paul is Chris Paul, one of the best point guards ever. Um, has a brilliant mind. So I, I, I agree. I agree with that statement. Uh, I hate that you made me say that, but I agree with it. Um, how do you think this? How do you think this Chris Paul Harden D'Antoni works? Because to me, it's three strong, strong-headed but brilliant minds. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of growing pains. I think that people yeah. are under exaggerate. I think people are under exaggerating the growing pains. Um, and there's a chance that because Chris Paul is only on a one-year deal, that this just flat out doesn't work. Um, so I I think that I have a lower floor than most people are willing to give this team, just because I could totally see this. Chris Paul being as stubborn as he is, D'Antoni being as stubborn as he is, Harden being as stubborn as he is, I can totally see um, that things can go bad. But I think CP3 is in the exact situation he wants to be. He he wanted to play with James Harden. And I think he realizes that this is his chance to go farther than he ever has. So I'm going to give this team the benefit of the doubt, but I do expect major growing pains. So we'll get to that when we talk about win totals. But yeah. Um, how do you think it's going to work as far as the ball handling responsibilities? How do you think? How do you think the two are going to be um, as far as letting the others handle the ball? It's going to be certainly interesting. Uh, I also agree that Harden and Paul are two very smart and motivated players who wanted this situation. They both lobbied for this. They want it, and I think they know that if everything works well, that you know they're a title contender. Um, it's crazy to say, but, you know, I believe that with these two guys. And you brought up a great point that there will be growing pains. And it's interesting to look at. The Houston Rockets won 55 games last year. 
The over-under yes. this year, Chris? Isn't it 55 and a half? Yes. <laughs> so Vegas knows, and Vegas is something that I always look at for uh, advice on teams, and that's why these numbers are so great, because they don't have any other agenda. They're just trying to make money, and they just want, they know, they know, they know. And I don't think Vegas thinks the Rockets are worse, but I think they, they believe what we believe, and that there will be growing pains, and that they will right. probably finish with the same record or maybe even a little worse than last year. Now, in the playoffs, this sets them up a lot better to have right. a guy like Chris Paul because Harden could not do everything by himself, as we saw. But during the regular season, I will not be surprised at all if there is a four-game losing streak, some sort of issue arises. Now, I will be surprised if there's this major losing streak and they start off how they did, what was it, two years ago. Then I'd be right. very concerned. But long story short, I am going to predict... Um, I'm going to predict a slight over, uh, like 56, 57 wins. I know a lot of people are ready to say they're going to be 60-plus wins, but no, I'm not willing to do it. I'm going to say slight over 56 wins. Yeah, too hard of a curb for me and as far as growing pains. I think it's really being understated, and I think the, the X factor of it is you also got to factor in D'Antoni's mindset because he is a very stubborn person to deal with as well. So... um but I think when it clicks and if they trust each other enough that you're gonna have you're you're gonna have a a very high ceiling. And the reason and that's the reason I'm going over, because I know there will likely be some massive growing pains with CP three, Harden and D'Antoni. And not to mention the chemistry on the court between Harden and Paul will be tough. But and also, there has been quite an overhaul to both their support system in talent and mindset. Um, this team has the talent to win a chunk of games. I think this team has a, I think this team has enough talent to win a chunk of games while trying to figure things out. Plus, on top of that, um, their support system is better. I think, especially on the defensive end, you can't get any arguments that they're not better at least defensively. Um, and so I think that will really help the squad win a lot of games. Uh, and I think that once this team clicks, I think we're gonna. I think at some point this season we're gonna see a a eight or nine, thirteen game win streak from this team. I think when things click, it's gonna be a hell of a team to play against, and they can be very deadly mm-hmm. because when you're looking at a team that's loaded with offensive weapons and has two of at least. Uh, two or at least one of the top five playmakers in the game on the court at all times, maximizing D'Antoni's system, I think that's deadly. I think that's something that's really being kind of overlooked with this team is how they stagger the stars and how now when James Paul goes, or when, wow, James Paul, I mixed up their names. Uh, James Harden goes out, you have Chris Paul running the system. And when Chris Paul goes out, you have James Harden running the system. And then they're both in. And they're both running the system. So you have elite-level playmaking on the court at all times in a system where D'Antoni maximizes offense. I think that's going to be very, very deadly. So I'm with you. I'm going over. I'm going 57 wins. I'm in on this call. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on the Warriors, really, and how they are going to treat the regular season this year. Because, you know, they've been to three straight finals, they just won, they know they're probably the favorite, they definitely are the favorite to make it again and win. Do they look at this regular season this year, the Warriors, and say, 
it doesn't matter if we win 65 games. It really doesn't matter if we're the one seed. They kind of start to have that LeBron-Cleveland-like mindset. Then I say definitely hammer the over for Houston. Because if Houston realizes that there is a chance that they can get this one seed, you go for it. Because right. that means you avoid playing San Antonio or Golden State till the third round. And if and that's where I think we'll know uh, if Golden State you know, starts to have a little bit of a championship hangover, which is completely possible. And if you look at history, somewhat likely. At this point, it is yes. somewhat likely. And um, so that, I think, is something to really keep an eye on. Uh, whether or not Golden State has a similar regular season that they've had the past two, three years, or one like some of these other championship teams have, where they really don't care if they're a two or a three seed, they win 58 games and they call it a day and make sure they're healthy. Because then I think Houston is going for it and they could potentially win over 60 games then. And and I think, there's, I think long story short, there's a chance that if everything breaks right, this team gets the one seed, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The championship hangover could be real, especially when it's been three straight finals for the Warriors. That's a lot. Um, I know it's, you know, they, they have the new core of Kevin Durant, obviously changes a lot of things. But yeah, I'm I'm with you that there's a possibility that they could that they could have a regular season hangover and just focus on being healthy. Um, so I'm I'm not confident in that though, so that's not why I'm going with the over. I just think that when this team clicks, I think they're going to have a streak where they win like 13 straight games and they just rip through and they're the hottest team in the league and they're hard to play. And I could totally see that happening with a team like Houston when everything's clicking. And I think that that will get them over the 55 mark. All right. So we're both taking the over for the Rockets. We both love the Rockets again. What a surprise. <laughs> Um, all right, let's transition to the last team in the conference, San Antonio, finishing 61-21 and 21 last year. Um, they had an interesting offseason, I thought. Um, you know, one, uh, one of the only offseasons I've ever seen San Antonio get criticized for. Um, obviously, they lost uh, Dwayne Dedman to Atlanta, which I think is the, the biggest loss that they suffered. Jonathan S- Simmons to Orlando was also kind of a tough blow. Uh, David Lee played played for them in the playoffs and played pretty well in the regular season for them down the stretch. But um, they acquired uh, Rudy Gay, King Joffrey, because I don't know how to say his last name. I believe it's Laverne. Um, then, and then they got rookies Brandon Paul and Derek, Derek White. So um, And they re-signed Patty Mills to four years, $50 million. Um, What did you think of their offseason? Was this a bad offseason for the Spurs? Absolutely. I don't know how anyone could argue otherwise. I mean, what did they really gain? I mean, they lost two young guys, Jonathan Simmons and Dwayne Dedman, that really helped them last year, especially on defense. They re-signed Manu Ginobili, which I guess is a win. I mean, we both love Ginobili, but the dude's old. And, I mean, he showed up in the playoffs last year, but I don't think he's moving the needle. Um, And, yeah, I'm really disappointed. Because I love Kawhi. I don't love him as much as you. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. I think he's a bit overrated, especially on offense. Um, but I'd like to see Kawhi with better pieces around him. And he's not getting that right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a bad uh, offseason as well. Um, the team lost three rotation players. None that I would consider hard to replace. But I do think the losses, their losses, especially Deadman, will be an issue. Um I like King Joffrey, but he's a different kind of center than Deadman. Um, I also like 
I, I also would have liked them to get a better wing to replace Simmons um, because Rudy Gay is not the same type of wing that Jonathan Simmons is. Jonathan Simmons is more of a guard wing as opposed to Rudy Gay, which is more of a forward wing. Um, and I, I thought Pop could have really developed Simmons into something special um, just because that looks like the kind of guy that, you know, if, if, if he's under Pop's system, Pop will eventually blossom him into... Like, I really thought at one point last year that I could see Jonathan Simmons breaking right and one day becoming an all-star level caliber player, which I know might sound ridiculous, but I have that much faith in Pop, and he seems like the type of guy, he has the athleticism, he just has to piece the game together, right? And who better to do that for you than Pop? So um, I thought I thought that that was kind of, a, kind of a huge loss for them. I think Patty Mills, four years, 50 million is a bit too much but he's vital to their guard rotation, especially now with Parker being out with the Achilles injury. And I don't expect him to be near what he was before. So overall, I, I think it was a rough season and then I, a rough offseason. I don't like that they signed uh, Gasol to that contract. I mean, that was one that was really just criticized from the jump. Three years, $36 million? That That's well, a lot. It's classic San Antonio, man. They they refuse to rebuild. They just want to keep going and keep going and and compete and contend. But the reality is, they are not contending in the West this year with Houston and Golden State. I just I can't imagine it. I I mean, are you in agreement with me? Right, I am, and that's what I want to ask you: is what do you think the plan is for this old court going forward? I I think they're going to try and win, and I think they're going to try and win a lot of games, and they might win a lot of regular season games. But the reality is they have one superstar, Kawhi Leonard. They're pretty slow. They lack great guard play. And with the addition of Chris Paul, maybe that doesn't put Houston over the edge with Golden State, but I think it certainly pushes them over the edge with San Antonio. So I I, I don't even think their ceiling is the conference championship. I mean, maybe if there's an injury or – I guess that's their ceiling still. I mean, as you said, there's a, there's a chance this Houston situation doesn't work out. But, you, you know, there's still OKC out there with Paul George and Westbrook. And I just – I don't see it, man. Um, but I still believe they'll win a lot of regular season games. And they're not a team to take lightly. And I'd be pessimistic and hesitant to, to, to bet on the under. So I am taking the over. I believe it's 54-and-a-half, correct? Right. I'm taking the over, but I'm not confident with the playoff. But the Spurs know how to win in the regular season. <laughs> right, right. Um, before we get into the uh, over-under, oh, I my want bad. to talk Sorry. about You're good, you're good, you're good. Um, I'll tie it in with that. But um, the plan going forward to me is interesting because Aldridge, Rudy Gay, and Danny Green have player options for next year. I expect Green to opt out. I'm not sure Aldridge will because even though there's – a there is a massive talk already of not being much of a market next year in free agency. So I'm not sure Aldridge is, and and I'm not sure Aldridge is a total Spurs guy who would sign a team friendly deal. So I don't know what to expect there. Uh, Rudy Gay is trying to rebuild his value. So he's obviously going to either a take the 8 million or B if he, if he can make more, he's going to go make more. So I don't expect him to do anything other than rebuild his value. Also Parker's 15 million comes off the books. If everything breaks right, they could have decent but not max cap space because of the Pau Gasol contract, which, again, I think is awful. So um, they do have uh, hard choices to make also about guys like Anderson and, and Bertans who are uh, coming off the books. The, some of, like you mentioned, the only young guys they have yeah, left. quickly, Gay, Gay is not supposed to play for a while, right? Isn't he coming off right. of a bad injury? 
Right, yeah, he's coming off the Achilles. So is he supposed to play at all this year? He is, yes, he is supposed to play at all. I I believe they're targeting a um, December return, if last I read is correct. Um, So not not a lot of, not like halfway through the year, but um, a significant chunk of the year for sure. Um, he could potentially miss. Um, so, and, and, and again, Anderson and Bertans could be looking for paydays. So, um, I know the Spurs rarely go for big free agents, but I think if the Spurs clear the books, you ready for this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I hope I don't know. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. <laughs> if the Spurs clear the books, I think they could be the strongest, uh, a strong, if not top suitor to get LeBron James. I knew I was going to hear it, and Chris, I can't disagree. I cannot disagree, only because of the theory that LeBron James has never had a fantastic head coach, Spalstra being his best one, and he wasn't great when LeBron was there. I think he's certainly gotten better as the years have gone on and he's gained experience. And LeBron, looking at these other superstars who he gets compared to, the MJs of the world, the the Kobe's, and looking how they had Hall of Fame coaching in their career, and possibly, does LeBron James believe that with better coaching, Hall of Fame-level coaching with Greg Popovich, could that tap into some untapped potential LeBron James actually has? And maybe he is just desperate for fantastic coaching. And I've heard this theory. I've heard this narrative. And although I'm not betting my money on it, I think it's in play. So I agree with you that it is possible that LeBron goes to the Spurs in 2018. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, they have to move the Pau Gasol contract, which I think was a stupid contract they signed in the first place because now they're going to have to attach some type of asset to get rid of that to get the space for LeBron. Um, but, man, LeBron and Kawhi together, just those two alone would be a threat to the Warriors. Oh, yeah, so. no matter who you're <laughs> no matter right. who you're surrounding them with. Right, and so um, I've said it on Twitter, so I'll say it now. I don't think at this moment that LeBron is leaving Cleveland. That's my official prediction. I think he stays, but mm. if he does, I think that the Spurs and the Rockets are the top threat. And not to get too much wow. on the LeBron subject, wow. but I think that that is what the Spurs should be really – looking at very hard as in this offseason coming well, up is really what quickly do do? i'm just curious yeah. have you, did you see the report that's been going around about lebron being eager to play with a certain mvp russell westbrook no i have not been that's uh, been a rumor been that i've been hearing that. the past few days uh really yeah um and i'm a little surprised by it just because of their playing styles but i'm sure lebron would figure out a way to work it out right um but yeah there's been talks of them possibly teaming up, going to the Lakers, that's definitely in discussion. Yeah. But then I don't know what you do with the whole Lonzo Ball situation. So there's so much to talk about with LeBron and his future, Chris, and I'm sure we're going to have tons and tons of podcasts about his decision. <laughs> right. This is going to be the storyline of the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, who knows? Maybe, maybe next year you could get – you could get Aldridge uh, to take a team-friendly deal, and they sign LeBron, and then they have LeBron, Aldridge, and Kawhi. Although that's not the most ideal pairing, but then you you know maybe you could get Green back, and and Rudy Gay will opt in, and all of a sudden this could be a team that could really really jump back into contention. And uh, LeBron and Kawhi is man, that's as deadly as a duo as they come. I believe that's the first and second best player in the NBA right now. 
So yeah, especially um, on defense, that is yes. that's rough going against yeah. that. <laughs> and so we we've known about LeBron's um, respect for Pop. That's been yes. talked about forever, and it's always great to see stars. It's always great to see stars go to um, go play for Pop, especially older stars, because Pop always maximizes them. And I think LeBron knows that, and LeBron's smart about that. So I'm I'm just floating it out there. It's a possibility. So. Um, there's a, there's a, although they had a bad off. Stop! I'm recording! I definitely think that there is room to be kind of optimistic about the future. But sticking with the current, the over-under, like you said, is 54.5. I'm going over. Um, you said you're going over as well, Mm -hmm. but I'm not even thinking about it. The Spurs are the Spurs, and even though I criticize their offseason, um, they have a relatively deep team full of rotation players like, I could see Bertans and Jeffrey and or Joffrey, I should say, um, Anderson, Rudy Gay, all being players that were better than they were last year. Um, plus, I'm a big fan of playing Patty Mills over Tony Parker, so I'm going 58 wins. I I think this is a I think this is an absolute surefire overtake. I just the Spurs never lose more than or never get more than 55 fewer than 55 wins. Wasn't what was that year they played the Clippers in the first round? They were the four seed. Did they get how many wins did they get that year? Do you know? Uh, no, I do not. Uh, I'll quickly I, try and find it. I believe that was twenty fourteen. See, I would no, say no. There was, was no. 15. Yeah, fifteen. Fifteen was yeah. the year. Fourteen was the year they won it. My right. bad. Fifteen. Yes, yeah. fifteen. They were a six seed, but they still had fifty five wins. So, yeah. as you mentioned, that seems like a safe bet. I'm with you. I'm taking the over. All right. All right, Noah. Well, that completes one division. So one division down, five to go. Um, yes. We'll see if we have you on for another one to do some more over-unders. Um, just uh, just real quickly, are you doing uh, over-unders on your podcast as well? You know, I have not really decided yet. I, I probably will do one uh, on the radio uh, in Northbrook, Illinois here, and might post it online. That, that will probably be happening closer to the season starting, though. Uh, right. As a lot, a lot of the talk I'll be doing now is going to be football related. Um, I know you're not the biggest football fan, but we got <laughs> right. the NFL right around the corner, and I certainly am still an NFL fan. NBA is my favorite, but I am also a big football fan too. So getting right, excited so, for that. Yeah, go ahead and uh, plug plug where you're at. Yes, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Lofman. Um, and certainly when the season starts, should be a little more active there. Um, and yeah, Chris, uh, hopefully I'll be on soon. Maybe do another division, do a whole over under podcast, uh, LeBron James future podcast. Cause that's certainly <laughs> a fun one. Um, a lot of interesting storylines this NBA season. We are coming off of probably the most exciting off season that I can remember. If not ever. <laughs> yeah. If you run down the list of all the guys that are moved and traded and wow. And yeah. Interesting draft picks too. It is going to be a hell of a year in the NBA, and yeah. uh, I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Um, fans will have to wait, though. I'm uploading about one to two division previews per week. Um, so, again, stay tuned, and that should lead us up to near the start of the season. Yes, early so start this year. Yeah, Earlier early start. start. Very excited about that. <laughs> Very Cavs excited Celtics that. right off the bat. Yep, that's going to be interesting. All right, Noah, um, take care, man, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. 
Once again, my listeners, uh, I am Chris Platy. You can find all my content on my Twitter. That's at uh, RealChrisPlatty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Just kidding. Follow anyways. Um, my Twitter has a link to both my Podbean and iTunes, so you can find all my content there and consume it however you wish. Um, I do Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk, uh, an NBA podcast and a hip-hop podcast, um, and I upload each about once a week, um, if not more. So uh, mm-hmm. stay tuned Stay tuned to check those out. Um, stay tuned and check out the ones that are coming because I got some great ones coming soon. So once again, Noah, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure having you on. Have a great week, Chris. Great.